Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Sometimes we want comfort, but what we really need is courage. Sometimes we want sympathy, but what we really need is strength. Sometimes, and let's be honest, we want, uh, you know, someone to feel sorry for us, but what we really need is for somebody to come alongside us and challenge us. Sometimes what we want is, you know, Mr. Rogers in his nice sandals and his sweater to come up alongside us, put his arm around our back, pat us on the back and say, hey, everything's going to be okay, and to give us a pass. But what we really need is William Wallace with his painted face in our face, yelling at us, saying, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop running. Keep running the race. And that's what we've been talking about in this series called Focus. It comes from Hebrews 12, where it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And the idea is that when we're faced with challenges, when we're faced with difficulties and circumstances in our life, that we should turn our focus to Christ. That instead of focusing in on the challenges, focusing in on the circumstances, focusing in on the, the difficulties in our marriage, I mean, we, we can't help it sometimes. We just, that's what we, our attention on, that the Hebrew writer is actually inviting us to focus in on Jesus. And this is really the argument of Hebrews. The theme for Hebrews is the superiority of Christ. That's the, 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 the theme of the entire book of Hebrews. The superiority. So Christ is supreme. He's supreme to your challenges. He's supreme to your circumstances that you might be facing. He's supreme to all of the feelings that you might be going through, even now through a pandemic. He's supreme. Another way we can say it is that Jesus is better. Amen? Amen? Jesus is better. Jesus is better. In fact, that word better, that word supreme or superior, is used 15 times in the book of Hebrews. It's like the author of Hebrews is trying to underline this truth, this idea that if we understand the superiority of Christ, that that'll give us confidence to run the race. That'll give us courage to run this race. If we can simply wrap our minds around the idea that Jesus is better, right? That was true for these first-generation Christians that he's speaking to. Most of them would have been Jewish believers, Jewish converts, Jewish Christians. Um, they started off this Christian race with a lot of energy, with a lot of excitement, with a lot of determination. I mean, they, they're going after Christ, and you might identify with that, right? When you first became a follower of Jesus Christ, you were passionate about it. You were, you were thankful and excited. You'd been forgiven of your sins, you were so excited about what the possibilities of your life were that you started running after that. But then what happens after a while is that life begins to happen, right? And that's what happened to these early followers. They begin to experience persecution. They begin to be ridiculed for their faith, for following Jesus. Many of them begin to grow tired and weary. Some of them begin to fall away from the faith. I mean, it's hard. And so the Hebrew writer wants to encourage them. We talked about that last week. What is encouragement? It's to fill with courage. The Hebrew wants, wants to fill them with courage by telling them that Jesus is better. Of whatever the circumstances are, Jesus 
is better. In fact, through Hebrews, you can make a list of ways that Jesus is better. He's better than the law, right? He's better than the traditions. He's better than the prophets. In fact, that's how the book opens up. It says in the beginning, or sorry, you know, before God spoke through prophets, and that was good, but now he speaks through his son, and Jesus is better. Hebrews tells us in chapter 3 that Jesus is better than Moses. Now we, Christians, you know, 2,000 years removed from these, these events, we look back, we read the scriptures, and we can say, well, yes, of course, we all assent to that. Jesus is definitely better than Moses, right? We can agree to, to that. We, we, we think that's truth. We don't have a problem at all accepting the fact that Jesus is better than Moses. But for these first Christians, these Jewish converts, this was hard for them to swallow. I mean, they had been taught all their life that Moses was the greatest. It's like Jairus Beckett, our campus pastor in Cedar Rapids, trying to convince me that Patrick Mahomes is better than Roger Staubach. I mean, slow down, kid. What do you mean, Jesus, that Mahomes is better than, than Staubach? Staubach? That's how these Jewish believers felt. You mean Jesus is better than Moses? Seriously? That's hard to believe. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is better than angels. He's better than the high priest. He's better than the Levitical system. I mean, flat out, Jesus is better. And if you're here today, let's say 2,000 years away from this, these writings, you need to know that Jesus is better than the circumstances you're going through right now. He's better than your challenges. He's better than the struggles. He's better than the temptations. He's better than all of that. And that's what the Hebrew writer wants to communicate to you and I today. Yes, he said it to them back then, but he's also saying that to us today, that he is better than whatever it is that you're going through, Amen. period. Do you believe that? Yeah. Amen. All right, you, okay. Let's, let's read. Let's read out of Hebrews chapter 12. This is the passage that we're kind of using as our, our kind of home base, um, Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we talked about that last week, let us throw off every weight that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That's what we're going to focus on today. And let us run the per with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. This is the main point, right? Focus in on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, and this is a big challenge. We, we, we will maybe talk about this a little bit more next week, but consider him. It's another way of focusing in on Jesus. Think about him. Think about the example that he set for us, right? Because when you consider him, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that... This is the reason why we would consider him. This is why we focus in on Jesus so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Well, last week, we talked about this great cloud of witness that are speaking to us. They're challenging us. These men and women from Hebrews chapter 11, that hall of fame, you know, faith hall of fame. And they're speaking to us to this day. Every time we read Hebrews chapter 11, they're saying with an emphasis, don't quit. Don't quit. Look, life is going to be hard. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be difficulties. But don't quit. 
They're also telling us, now it's your turn. That's what we talked about last week. Like they're saying, we ran the race. You know what? We're, we're in our reward right now. We're receiving the reward of having lived and ran a life of faith. But now it's your turn because you're still running. And some of you in this room right now, you were running, but now you're kind of walking. Some of you have stopped altogether. Some of you have said, I give up, I quit. And so these cloud of witnesses are saying to us today, they're saying, listen, your turn. Don't quit. It's your turn. Keep running. We're going to look at the second part of verse 1 there where it says, let us throw off, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us throw it off, he says. And he's using two different categories here. He says everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And some people interpret this as actually just one thing, one and the same, that really the author to the Hebrews is, or writer to the Hebrews is saying that, you know, this is all one thing. It's sin, and we just need to throw it all off. I actually think that he's really talking about two, two, two ideas. One, he's talking from the, from the general, from the, you know, just general idea of it, and then more specific, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But he says, he encourages us to throw it off. Now, that word throw off comes from this a, a combination of two Greek words that are put together that literally mean to put aside and to put out of reach. Put aside and then put it out of reach. There's a reason for that. That's what throwing off is, right? You put it aside and to put it out of reach because, you know, otherwise you might keep tripping up over it. And that's what happens to us, right? That's, a, that's our story is that we, we haven't made a whole lot of progress in our Christian walk. We're, we're wanting to, to live for God. We're wanting to run this race, but it seems like we keep tripping up. And what is it? We keep tripping up with the same stuff over and over and over again. And in part, it's because we haven't thrown it off. It's like there. We kind of just, like we just put it there just in case, just in reach, because just maybe I might need to get to that again. And then we fall over it again, and then we keep tripping up. And this is really what he's trying to tell us. He uses the word hinders. It literally means any kind of weight. The New Living Translation puts it like this. Let us strip off every weight. So if you're in a race that is long and difficult, and you have weights, you have stuff that you're carrying, like you might be able to manage that for a little bit. Like you might be able to run if you're running in laps, you know, the 400 or 440, whatever the laps are these days. If you're running that, you know, and you might be able to make two laps with the weights, but after a while, it starts kind of slowing you down. And before long, you're stopping altogether. And that's really the nature of weight, right? The nature of weight is the longer you carry it, the heavier it becomes. The longer you carry your sin, the heavier the sin becomes. The longer you carry your bitterness, the heavier the bitterness becomes. The longer you carry your addiction, the heavier the addiction becomes. The longer you carry your unforgiveness, the heavier the unforgiveness becomes. I can go on and on and on. This is what the writer of the Hebrews is trying to tell us, right? And so this Hebrew writer says, set aside everything that hinders. Now what hinders me may not hinder you, and what hinders you may not hinder me. I mean, we could probably come up with a whole list of things that hinder, but let me just try to identify three common weights that I think slow us down. I think the first one is, is anxiety and the pressure of life. I mean, it's, it's like a no-brainer, right? <laughs> uh, every one of us have faced anxiety and pressure in life. 
Every one of us. I mean, we can't escape it. In fact, this last year has been a reminder that we can't escape, escape anxiety and pressure of life. I mean, we've been reminded. Our life has been turned upside down. We are, we've done so many different things because of this very thing, you know, of the pandemic that we're in. And it's created a lot of anxiety and a lot of pressure in life. Jesus specifically talks about this in Matthew 13. When the parable of the sower and the, and the seed, he says, listen, sometimes there's that seed, you know, that the pressure, and he identifies as the pressures of life that tend to choke out our faith. That's what happens in this world when we're facing anxiety and pressure. It's as if you're running. I'm using the metaphor, the analogy of running around a track. You're running around a track, and somebody walks up to you and hands you a 45-pound plate. Now, a 45-pound plate may, may not seem like a lot, but if you're running with a 45-pound plate, that feels a little bit different. I, I was going to actually try to, earlier in the week, I was thinking about this. Fortunately, my week got very busy, and I wasn't able to put it together because I realized how embarrassing it would have been if I tried. But I was wanting to illustrate this by actually having some 45-pound plates and then some 10s and some 5s and, like, grabbing the 45-pound plate and try to run around this room, you know. And then I realized that Chris Carey would not like that, me running. The cameras would be like, where is Rich now in the room, you know. Um, and then I realized, too, that I might embarrass myself. <laughs> so I didn't do it. But imagine that. Imagine you're running and somebody hands you a 45-pound plate and they say, keep running, isn't it going to feel overwhelming? Isn't it, good, isn't it true that probably most of us, if somebody hands us a 45-pound plate while we're jogging around a track, that we're probably going to stop and walk? We're not going to really run anymore? It's just heavy. It's more than we can handle. Maybe that's how some of you feel. Maybe some of you walked in here this morning, and what's on your mind is the mortgage you're trying to make but you just don't have enough income coming in to actually make the mortgage. Or maybe, you know, you're thinking about that biopsy that you just took and you're waiting for the results and you're hoping that it's not going to be bad. Or maybe you're watching one of your children self-destruct. Or maybe the 45-pound plate that was handed to you is your wife or your husband just coming up to you or you discovering that there's an affair going on stops you in your tracks, doesn't it? Sometimes you say to yourself, I just, I, I can't do it, I can't, I just quit, I give up. It's things that hinder. <clears throat> For others, it's not necessarily this big 45 pounder. For others, it's just a bunch of five and 10 pounders. You know, you get enough of those five and 10 pounders together, it comes up to about 45 pounds. And it's not any one thing, like through the pandemic, you've been kind of busy, right? It's just been busy, busy, busy. But then suddenly, uh, you know, your whole family gets the flu and they're all sick, you know, and then a pipe breaks in the kitchen and now you got to get that fixed. And, and then you go check the mail and while you're trying to fix the pipes, you check the mail and you find out that there's these unexpected bills that have come due and you got to put it all together. And all of this, one by itself would not affect you very much, but all of them put together... All of them put together creates pressure. And you want to stop. You want to quit. You want to give up. It's the pressure of life, things that hinder. I think another hindrance would be, I think, and I think the Bible would underline this as well, would be religion. Religion. 
religion slows us down in our faith. Now, we don't tend to think that way because we think that religion and faith are synonymous, that they're one and the same, but they're not one and the same. In fact, Jesus kind of talks about this in Matthew 23. He tells us that religion can hinder. In Matthew 23, he's, he's kind of using this imagery, this illustration of of weight, you know, and he's talking about these religious leaders, and what's awkward is that he's talking about these religious leaders while they're sitting there in the room with him. They're like, they're there, they're listening as he's talking about them. He says this in verse four. <clears throat> he says, they crush, it's this imagery again, this imagery of weight, pressure being put down on somebody. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. And for some of you, that's been your story. I mean, you've tried to live up to the religious rules and regulations. You got saved. You were excited. And then you got all these things kind of added on to how you're supposed to be, live this Christian faith out. And, and before long, you just found like your faith became more of a burden. You're just walking around. Just, it's just not happy going to church. It's not happy, not feeling good, you know, trying to live for God because it just feels like this weight that you just can't measure up to the religious expectations out there. I think another hindrance would be, and I can label, if I can label it this way, would be sin struggles. Now I know that in the same verse that we read out of Hebrews 12, he identifies a specific sin. We'll get to that in a second, but I think there's other things that hinder us, and that would be, I would call it sin struggles. The Bible tells us that we need to that we need to resist these sin struggles. They're, they're not big things. We tend to, we tend to you know, categorize sin in our mind, and we have a whole list of some that are just smaller, you know, and we just beside, decide, you know, that's just kind of, it's okay, you know, it's just a part of my life, and so we need to deal with them, the Bible tells us to deal with them, but we really don't, and we kind of make excuses for it, like it's just the way I am, you know, or I'm not hurting anymore, one day I'm going to deal with it, but what happens is that that little sin continues to grow, and it begins to drive a wedge between you and God. A wall gets built, and this wall is built, and we're, we want to run the race, but we're not ready to repent. We're not ready to throw it off, as the Hebrew writer says. We're not ready to, to surrender. We think that we could do this. You know, we just have this, and we have this. It's okay. I can run this race, but the problem is, is that we're feeling weighted down, and we're not able to effectively run this race. It slows us down in this race, and so the Hebrew writer in chapter 10 and other places, he makes the case that sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God, and it has to be dealt with. Sin robs you of energy to run the race. It robs you, I mean, it zaps your joy, it zaps your peace. Sin separates us from God. In fact, King David kind of refers to this, alludes to this idea of these sin struggles in, in Psalm 32, David's kind of carrying this weight of his affair with Bathsheba. And this is what he says. When I kept silent, when I kept silent, when I didn't throw it off, or maybe when I just sort of put it off to the side a little bit, you know, I just leave it there in reserve just in case I might need it later. When I didn't fully repent, when I didn't turn over my shame and my guilt, when I didn't confess to the person I needed to confess to, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long, he says. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. That's what sin does to us. It creates this heaviness in our lives. My strength was sapped 
as in the heat of summer. He's describing what it's, what it's like to run a race when you're exhausted by shame and guilt. So there are these things, right? These things that can hinder us, like, like stress, like religion, like sin struggles. But then the Hebrew writer gives us this specific sin, this other category, so to speak, right? And it's kind of like what he's doing. He's kind of moving from the general to the specific. You can imagine it this way. Think about it this way. It's like um, the things that hinder are like all the, the plates in a, you know, the five-pounder, 10-pounder, 45-pounder, 25-pounder plates in a gym. It's a whole variety of them. You know, like I said, what makes you stumble doesn't make me stumble. What makes me stumble doesn't make you stumble. There's a whole variety of them. So you might be able to go in the gym and you know, pump away at 250 pounds, <clears throat> and I can barely even touch that, you know, and whatever. You know, you, so there are things that make me stumble, things that may not make you stumble. It's a variety. And you can think of the sin that entangles as the bar. So you have all these plates, these weights that get added to the bar, but this bar is the sin that entangles us. It's that one thing. Now we could, you know, we could talk about all kinds of one things. There's some big ones out there, like pride, for example. Pride can really entangle you. Or an adulterous relationship can really entangle you. I mean, we could talk about a lot of things, but I think in the context, what the Hebrew writer is talking about here, especially if you think about Hebrews 11, he just came out of Hebrews 11, he's talking about faith, he's talking about belief in God. I think the sin that he's referring to here is a sin of unbelief. Sin of unbelief. Not believing who God is, not having faith, right? This is a sin that so much of what hinders is rooted in. Let me unpack it a little bit, okay? So, so let's say <clears throat> um, I have the sin of unbelief, and suddenly I'm faced with the pressures of life, right? And I don't really, I mean, I don't, I'm just, I'm struggling with, you know, believing that God's going to take care of the pressures of my life. And so a pandemic rolls around, and I'm overwhelmed by a pandemic, and next thing you know, I've just surrendered into, into, the, into all of the, the crazy thinking that I'm, that's going on in my head. I have just, I'm struggling. I'm not being able to survive this pandemic because I really don't believe that God is in control. But if I believe and I have faith, as Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about, right, that, that we were able to, to, you know, be sure of things that we can't quite yet see. We, you know, this pandemic was disastrous. Well, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure where it's going to go. But, you know, I have faith. I trust that God is there. That instead of the pressures and stress overwhelming me, I can set that aside. I can throw it off. I can push it out of reach. And I can trust that God is going to lead me through this. He doesn't take it away, but he leads me through it. I have confidence in him. I have belief in him. God speaks to Abraham. He says, hey, Abraham, I want you to move. <laughs> and Abraham's like, okay, where, where, do you want me, where do you want us to go? And he's like, well, I'm not going to tell you, but, but it's a good place. You just need to go. And th that, that would be stressful. Uh, try that with your marriage, for example, right? Like, you guys today go buy a bunch of for sale signs at Lowe's, and then show up at your house, put it in your front yard, and tell your wife, hey, uh, we're moving next month. Where are we moving to? Uh... I don't know, but we're moving. That wouldn't work very well, would it? It's stressful, right? This can be very stressful. And the reason it's stressful is because of the uncertainty. We don't know what's in our future. We don't know what's... But, but if you have faith, 
You can set the uncertainty aside, and so you have to understand that Jesus is better than whatever it is that you're going through. I mean, he's better than your circumstances. He's better than your unreasonable boss. He's better than your critical spouse. He's better than your moody roommate. He's better than the bills you're trying to pay. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is better. You hear me? Or think about it in terms of religion. Religion is a burden. It's a weight that, you know, if I don't believe, then it's just a burden I'm carrying, right? If I don't believe, then I get wrapped up in trying to earn my salvation. I get wrapped up in trying to be good enough. I start worrying about what other people might be saying about me because religion is telling me that you have to live a certain way, you have to act a certain way. But if my, but if my confidence is in Christ and I'm free to run, I don't have to worry about what religion says. I'm free to run and live my faith out for Jesus Christ, free from religious obligation. This is why Jesus tells us this in Matthew 11. It's out of the message version. He says, are you tired? So let's, uh, you know, I know that I'm reading a text from the Bible from 2,000 years ago, but can you try to imagine that right now Jesus is actually saying these words to you and I 2,000 years later? Okay, because really, he really is. God's word is timeless. It's not just for back then. It's not just some historical artifact that we just tend to you know, refer to every once in a while. It's actually God's living word for us today. And so he's asking you the question, are you tired? I think I could raise my hand on that one. I'm, I am kind of tired. Are you worn out? Man, I've, I've been worn out. At least this past year I have been. And he goes on, are you burnt out on religion? Are you trying to live up to certain obligations, religious obligations, and it just feels like you're just carrying a heavy burden? He says, come to me. Our language for this series, focus in on me. Get get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. We, do you believe that? Uh, where's that? I won't, lay, I, w- I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Sometimes we don't really believe that. I think what we, we think is that God, if I'm going to follow God, it's just going to be a heavy burden. Jesus, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus is saying, I am better than religion, just in case you missed that. I'm better than your best. I'm better than your efforts. I'm better than your, you know, your record of right and wrong. I'm better than your, your, your generosity. I'm better than your benevolent acts. I'm better than your church attendance. Put your hope in me, and I will give you strength to run this race. Put your hope in me, and I'll give you strength to run this race. Or when it comes to our sin struggles, Same can be said. If we don't believe that Jesus is better, most of our sin struggles are rooted in in this thing of unbelief. If we don't believe it's better, then we're going to struggle. But if I believe that Jesus is better than my sin, guess what? I can live free from my sin. It loses its power over me. I mean, sin places a lot of shame and guilt on us, and it weighs us down. But if I understand that Jesus is better than my shame and my guilt, I am free to run. 
And some of you in this room, you need to hear that because you walked in here today with a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of heaviness because of sin, choices you've made that have been destructive choices in your family, in your relationships, in your home, in your work, and you're weighted down. And the question I want to ask is, why are you carrying it? Why are you carrying it? You don't need to carry that around with you. Jesus in Hebrews, it talks, it talks about um, how, you know, in, in Hebrews talks about how we deal with sin, how in the old times they dealt with sin, um, it was kind of insufficient. It's like there was, there was a method, there was a way to deal with sin, but it just didn't do it once and for all. And he's, he talks about the prophets and the, and the priests and what they would do. And so in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 10, it says, if they could have provided perfect cleansing, talking about these, these priests offering sacrifices for us, if they could have provided perfect cleansing, like that would have worked. Like if your religious service would have worked, if doing things in your own strength would have worked, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once and for all, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. You wouldn't feel guilty. But it doesn't work, and that's why Jesus had to come along. Because the old covenant was not really doing it for us. So in verse 22, it tells us what happens when Jesus comes along. It says, let us go right into the presence of God. Because, of, because Jesus is better, right? because you can focus in on Christ, because Jesus is supreme, because Jesus is superior, because Jesus is better, you can go into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let's stand as we close. Do you believe that, that Jesus is better? I'm in? Okay, good. I'm glad you're tracking with me. <laughs> I wasn't sure. First service I said that, it was just dead silent. I, I, didn't, I don't think they believe in first service, actually. Um, no. <laughs> but do you believe that? Yes. Like, if you don't believe it, if you don't believe that Jesus, but if you don't believe in Jesus, you know what? The way you walked in is how you're going to walk out. Amen. If you don't believe that Jesus is better, then the burdens that you carried in here are the same burdens you're going to carry out of here. Same weights. You believe that Jesus is better, then you don't have to carry that shame or that guilt anymore. And that's really the question for you and I. The question is it's a question of faith. Do you believe? Do you believe? You know what I do? I believe Jesus is better. I believe that Jesus is better than anything you can buy. I believe he's better than any website you can visit. I believe he's better than any relationship you can have. I believe he's better than any house you can build, any car you can drive, any vacation you can go on. I believe that he's better than the biopsy that you're waiting to get the test results back on. I believe he's better than the bankruptcy you're struggling with, than the friends you have on Facebook, than the likes you have on Instagram. He's better than being popular. He's better than getting that promotion you've been keep, you keep pursuing. Jesus is better than anything you can smoke, anything you can drink, anything you can shoot up. Jesus is better. Amen. He's better than any lover, any politician, any athlete, any entertainer. 
Jesus is better than life. Jesus is better than death. Jesus is better. That's the truth. So listen, if you're tired, if you've come in here and you're tired and you're weary and you're burdened by sin or you're burdened by finances or you're burdened by whatever it might be, I know that there's a lot of things out there that will tell you, hey, we'll just do this, we'll just do that, or find this, or find this, and you know, and, and yeah, those things do help. You know, they do help. But Jesus is better than all of that. And so I think what the Hebrew writer would say to you and I 2,000 years later, as we are gathered here in church, and you've walked in here, and I want to be honest with you guys, I've walked in here heavy too. I had the week from hell last week with, <laughs> with meeting after meeting after meeting. I had literally on Thursday, I was in a Zoom meeting from 8 a.m. till 5.30 p.m. <laughs> two, two different Zoom meetings. I had a short lunch break and then two Zoom meetings. And then I had my board meeting that night. And I've been weary. And I've been burdened. And I know I'm not alone on that. I know that some of you are weary and you're burdened, you're heavy. And some of you have probably been entertaining the thought and the idea of quitting. Like, what good does it do? Go to church every Sunday. And I mean, I just still feel this heaviness. I still feel this burden. I mean, what good is it to, to you know, to read my Bible? I mean, I finished reading my Bible and I just walk away and I just still feel weighted down and burdened. And all I can tell you is Jesus is better. Focus in on Jesus. It's really a choice that we have because all of us are looking at something. All of us are either looking at the circumstances, the problems, the difficulties, the challenges, or we're, or we're looking to Christ. And so we just have to choose. We have to choose. And the choice for us today is to focus in on Jesus. Amen. I'm going to pray for us. Our prayer teams are in the back there. And so if during worship, we're going to sing a song here for worship in a second. If you're here and you, you need prayer, if you're here and you walked in and you don't have a faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus wants to set you free. He's better. He's better than whatever you've been chasing after. He's better. And so if you're here, I want to pray for you. I want to believe that God's going to set you free. And we have prayer teams back there that can pray for you as well. I encourage you to go back and pray with them. Let's pray right now. Father, I just want to thank you, God, that you are in this place. Jesus, you are better. Jesus, you are better. Jesus, you are supreme to all of my problems, all of my difficulties, all of my challenges, God. You are supreme to my, my recent divorce, God. You are supreme, Father, to the, to the financial struggles that I'm going through. Father, you're supreme to this mess that I I have going on with school. I just can't seem to make ends, you know, make figure things out here in school, Lord God. You are supreme, Father, to the division between my wife and I. You are supreme, God, to everything. Today we declare you as Lord and Savior of our lives. You are number one. You are better. Father, is any in this room who have never given their life to you, Jesus? Father, we just pray right now. In Jesus' name, we surrender our lives to you, Father. We surrender our lives to you. You are a good God. We don't surrender our lives to religion or to obligation. We surrender our lives, Lord, to you, Jesus. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. 
We submit ourselves to you right now in Jesus' name. Father, will you speak? Will you challenge? Will you help us, Jesus, to focus in on you? In Jesus' name.